All right, hi, this is Roland Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our Easter service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. And again, we are, hope that you're ready to receive the word of the Lord, the word of encouragement that God has for you on this Easter Sunday, even as we celebrate the life, miracles, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And so today what we're doing is we're finishing our two-part series, which is called Life After Death. And even as Pastor Cole last week talked about Palm Sunday and the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem to give his life in substitute and sacrifice for our sins against a holy and righteous God. Today, we're going to talk about what the implications of not his death, but his resurrection from the dead are for us today. And so we're going to entitle this message, Life After Death, but we're going to focus on this statement that there is life after death when you put your trust in Jesus. There's life after death when you put your trust in Jesus. And we're talking, obviously, about the physical resurrection from the dead that we too will experience through our faith in Jesus Christ. But not only that, but in the meantime, in the point from the point where we live today to the point where we actually come to a place where we're in the sleep of death waiting for Jesus to return. There's a whole lot of life to live. And many of us have experienced all manners of death, whether over the past year or even throughout our lifetimes. And we need to know that there's actually resurrection life for us available for us even to this day. And so we're going to break this message up into three parts. We're going to talk first about how Jesus Christ comes and meets us behind our closed doors. When it seems that life has walled us in or it seems that we are uh, or, or, or in a place where we're dealing with things that maybe nobody else is um, aware of or knows about and we need the mercy of God to meet us there. We're going to talk first about how Jesus comes to meet us behind closed doors. We're going to talk secondly about how behind those closed doors, Jesus helps us to believe. He brings us to a place of faith, helping us to grow in confidence in him that we might believe his promises towards us, which ultimately, number three, lead us to life after any death that we might have experienced. And so before we do anything else, as always, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today. And we thank you that on this Resurrection Sunday, we once again celebrate not only Jesus' life and his sinless life, his miracles, but also his death and his triumphant resurrection from the dead. God, we pray that through your word and your spirit today, you would give us an unshakable faith in life after death, the life after death that you provide for us only in your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so let's first talk about what happens and what needs to happen behind closed doors. We're going to pick up in John chapter 20, verse 19, where Jesus is appearing, giving one of his post-resurrection appearances to his disciples and helping them to know how he meets them in this new state. And so let's pick up in verse 19, which says this, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, 
even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand, I'm sorry, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so what's happening behind closed doors? Well, we're picking up the story of Jesus with the post-resurrection appearance to his disciples. And what we know about his disciples is that they were locked behind closed doors because of the fear of the Jews at the time. Now, all of, early, of Jesus' earliest disciples were predominantly Jewish. Jesus himself was a Jewish man born of a Jewish lineage, though he was a in a hypostatic union, union being 100% man and 100% God, his earthly human origin was Jewish. He was of the tribe of Judah, of the people of Israel. And the thing is, is that the promise of a Messiah, a Savior who would come and rescue the people of Israel from their oppressors had been predicted throughout centuries through people called the prophets. And these prophets were speaking not only of deliverers who would appear from time to time when Israel found themselves under oppression or judgment or discipline because of their breaking and rebellion of the commands of God. God would continually raise up deliverers to set them free for a period of time until and give them a time of peace until ultimately the Israelites fell back into sin because of their, again, repeated rebellion against God. But God would speak not just of these temporary deliverers, but he would speak of an ultimate deliverer, the Messiah who would come and save not just the Jewish people, but the entire world from their sins. To, in fact, reconcile the world to God who made them and loved them and had plans and purposes for them that sin had marred and destroyed. But when Jesus showed up on the scene, he came to not just deal with external circumstances, but to deal with the actual internal slavery, the internal sin that was keeping us set at odds with God and also causing the habitual, repeated, historic problems, not only in our worlds personally, in the microcosm of our worlds, but the world at large. And he said, before I deal with anything externally, I've got to deal with what's going on in your hearts. And so the disciples 
who Jesus had hand-selected the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples that you've heard referenced before. They were those who followed Jesus during his earthly ministry for three and a half years. And they saw not only the signs, miracles, and wonders that Jesus did, but they heard the things that he taught. Unfortunately, one of the things that they missed or one of the things that they did not understand until the Holy Spirit himself revealed it to them from the scripture is that Jesus, to be able to triumph, had to go to the cross so that he could pay the price for your sin and mine to reconcile us to God and then be raised from the dead so that we could have new life in him. And so this was a faith that he entrusted to the disciples, but they weren't altogether understanding of it. And then they were, number two, not able to, in confidence, necessarily yet stand up in it, uh, in the world that didn't give themselves to the same thing. They were afraid and behind closed doors for fear of their fellow Jews who did not yet believe, but many would come to believe when the word of God was preached through these same disciples by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we see that they were behind closed doors and Jesus, even in the midst of their trepidation, even in the midst of their fears, even when it looked like life wasn't turning out as they expected it to, Jesus came and met them right where they were. And that's good news for you. That's good news for me. Whenever we feel like, even coming out of this past year of the pandemic, who would have anticipated it? Who would have expected all that we as a world have gone through? We see that it's happened before in history, but many times we're of a perspective or a mindset that if I've signed up for Team God, if I've signed up for Team Jesus, then life as I know it is smooth sailing from that point. And I don't have to worry about trials, tribulations, or troubles because I've got God on my side and God is going to bless whatever I'm doing because I'm with Him. Now, oh, would that be true for all time? But what Jesus actually said was in this world, beloved, you are going to have trouble. But take heart in me, you will overcome the world. Meaning despite the trouble that you experience, even despite this, the, the surprises, even despite the fact that life as you know it isn't panning out as you had in your original game plan whether it be in your relationships, your career, your marriage, your child rearing. It doesn't matter if you are in a place where you're like, listen, I signed up in my thoughts for one thing, giving myself to team Jesus, but what's turning out in my actual reality is something different. Know that you're in good company because that's what the disciples felt like when they were walking with Jesus in his earthly ministry. And what we see is that they ended up behind closed doors needing Jesus to come and encourage them, needing Jesus to come and reinstate them, even post-resurrection, showing and reminding them again that what you saw on that cross is not the end of the story. What you saw in Jesus' death is not the final chapter. It's only the beginning of the triumphant resurrection life and story that he's going to tell post his resurrection from the dead.
And so behind closed doors, Jesus came to the disciples and he said to them, listen, I'm not here to condemn you in your discouragement. I'm not here to beat you down when you feel like you're winded, gassed, weary, or worn in your soul. But Jesus comes <clears throat> and amongst the disciples says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Jesus shows up behind those closed doors. And remember, he was a physically resurrected Lord. He was resurrected in his physical body. And he came and he said to them, look at my hands and look at my side. And if you remember, Jesus was nailed to the cross with spikes going through his wrists to hold him up on the cross, pulling himself up again and again until he would suffocate like the rest of the uh, the rest of the criminals who were hung there. Jesus was no criminal, but he was hung between criminals. And they traditionally would pull themselves up until they had no more strength to do so, and then they would suffocate on the cross. Jesus didn't even make it to that point because he was on the cross taking the wrath of God that you deserve and I deserve because of our sins against God. And so in that day, he was crushed. He was crushed for our transgressions and our iniquities against God. And there on the cross, he said, listen, put your hands to the disciples. Put your hands in my wrists. Put your hands in my side. Remember, that was part of the way prior to taking Jesus down from the cross that they knew that he was actually gone, that he was dead because they took a spear and jammed it through his side. And it said, according to the testimony of scripture, that something like water and blood came out from him. The puncturing of the heart that would cause a suspension to actually come out of his body that proved that he was in fact dead. He said, put your hand where that spear went and see that it's in fact me. And behind those closed doors, Jesus repeated to them again, peace be with you. What I did with the nails going through my hand, what I did with the spear going through my side, is I came to give you peace. Peace with the Father to reconcile you and bring you back into friendship with Him. Why? Because your debt has been paid. It's been paid for and you no longer owe it as you know and put your trust in me. He said, peace be with you, but also peace as you go back out into the world that you don't have to fear because as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. And just as the Father was with me in all of my earthly ministry, now I will be with you. So Jesus makes a transition from being the sent one to actually being the sender. And he says, just as the Father sent me and I went in my Father's strength, anointing, and peace, now I'm sending you in my strength, anointing, and peace to go into the world and do that which I've commanded you to do, to do the Great Commission, to be a minister, a witness of my death, burial, and resurrection, and bring others into the life of God as well. That's why Jesus said, if any of you forgives the sins of any, then they are forgiven. But if you don't forgive them, then they're not forgiven. 
And what he's not saying here is giving the church somehow some power to say, you have the ability to forgive the sins of humanity and not forgive them if you withhold it. But it, the tense of this Greek word was actually one that actually said, God has already, through the cross of Jesus, forgiven their sins. So you're announcing to them what God has already done. And as they believe in God, their sins will be forgiven. If they choose not to believe in Jesus the Son, then they remain in their death. But God's trying to call them into life after the death that they've already experienced. But he starts with all of us by meeting us behind those closed doors. Now, there was specifically, obviously, joy whenever this proclamation was made. You can imagine that the disciples who had been following Jesus and now seeing their resurrected Lord, they were able behind those closed doors to say, my goodness, thank God I've gotten the encouragement that I need to press on. And when God, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, it's much like what we have an opportunity to do every single day in our living dynamic relationship with God as we go to him in the word of God in prayer to be once again filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the strength, the life, and the joy of God. Even after the challenges, the discouragements, the despair that we were experiencing in the world around us, whenever we go to meet with God behind closed doors, he breathes on us again and says, be filled, not just receive, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And let me send you back out again to offer life to the world that's in death and destruction. But you see, when you've experienced something like that, it's a good thing. But there's sometimes that you might have experienced it, but other believers might not have experienced the same thing yet. Or not just other believers, but people who you know and love, family members, neighbors, friends, co-workers, who might not have experienced the life-giving encounter with Jesus as you have behind closed doors. And that's what happened with Thomas, that Thomas, though one of the 12 disciples, and though he had some inkling of wanting to serve God wholeheartedly, he saw the death of Jesus, didn't understand the resurrection, wasn't with the disciples behind closed doors whenever they saw Jesus initially. And so when he heard that Jesus had been resurrected, he had a response to his other fellow believers and said, listen, unless Jesus comes to me myself, and unless I'm able to put my hands in his, in his uh, wrist, in his hands, where the holes were, unless I'm able to put my hands in his side, I'm not going to believe. I will not believe, as a matter of fact. I've experienced too much. I've lost too much. I am too dissuaded in my thoughts to ever think that I could actually be a believer in Jesus. But you know what? I'm sure they were a little bit distraught, <laughs> meaning with their fellow disciple, their fellow apostle, Thomas, having this little moment of, uh, doubt this moment of um, disbelief, even after they were reporting to him the good news that Jesus had been resurrected. But how did God respond? God did not respond with condemnation, but God responded with mercy and grace. And in the midst of 
this uh, encounter, you see that Jesus appeared again behind the locked doors, the locked doors of the disciples, and Thomas was with them this time. And let me tell you that even if you've testified to somebody before and they've not yet believed the good news in Jesus, let me tell you, you need to keep testifying to the goodness of God. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Every time that you testify, you're helping to prepare the way for God to show up in another person's life. And when these fellow disciples kept ministering to Thomas, saying, listen, Jesus, we saw him resurrected. We saw the, the, the piercings in his hands. We saw the, the, the wounds on his side. Don't doubt, Thomas, believe. Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless I see Jesus to myself. They kept testifying, and we see behind those closed doors, Jesus shows up behind the locked doors. The locked doors where even they were trying to keep everybody who might interfere with their lives out. And in that place, Jesus showed up and he said, Thomas, I've got a word for you. He said, just like with the other disciples who were ready to believe, I say the same thing to you, Thomas. Peace be with you. You see, if you've ever been in a place of skepticism or doubt, let me tell you, God is still coming to bring you peace. It's an invitation to peace that he's called you to. And he says, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. What was Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, Thomas, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you and give you the evidence that you need to help you believe. And for some of you, the disappointments that you've experienced over this past year, or even throughout your lifetime, if you've never known the Lord, you say, listen, I'm not going to believe until he gives me some evidence, evidence that he is who the Bible says he is, until he shows me that God is the good and gracious one that the scripture talks about. Well, let me tell you, even behind your locked doors, God comes to help you to believe. If you have questions, God's got answers. If you have a hard heart, God can give you a softened one. How? By giving you evidence of things like the importance and the tangibility of the scripture. I love how historians actually talk about even the gospel accounts themselves. You start by believing in the gospel accounts themselves. And a scholar named Gary Habermas said it this way, that historians employ a number of common sense principles in assessing the strength of a testimony. Here are five of those principles. Number one, testimony attested to by multiple independent witnesses is usually considered stronger than the testimony of one witness. That's why we have at least the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talking about all that Jesus was able to do and not just able to do, but did do by his death, miracles, uh, death, burial, and resurrection from the dead. Number two, affirmation by a neutral or a hostile source is usually considered stronger than affirmation from a friendly source since bias in favor of the person or position is absent. 
And that was what was beautiful even years later as the Apostle Paul, writer of three-fourths of the New Testament letters, who started out as a persecutor of the church, eventually became one of the greatest evangelists and heralds of this good news of Jesus' resurrection because he had met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Number three, it said people usually don't make up details regarding a story that would tend to weaken their position. Let me tell you that in this particular culture, we see that in John chapter 20, the first appearance of Jesus resurrected from the dead was not to men who were actually able to be a valid witness in the court system, but to some of the women who were Jesus' followers. And at that time, the women, their testimony wouldn't have been admissible in court. And as a matter of fact, not only was that truth delivered in such a way to provide veracity to the testimony of the Gospels, because there was no advantage to the writers of the Gospels to say that women had seen Jesus first, but the fact that one of Jesus' own 12 disciples, Thomas, was a doubter, and didn't believe, wouldn't believe his resurrection story unless Jesus himself appeared to him, showing him his wounds and his hands and on his side. That was the honesty of Scripture that was needed to say, you know what, I am at this point a person who it doesn't look so good for me in the story that I'm doubting all that Jesus said that he would do, but it's the truth of the matter, and I'm going to express it as true because I need people to know that just as God met me in my weakness and my and it showed me mercy in the midst of my doubts, he can have mercy for them who would come to believe through this same message. That's the good news. And then number five, <clears throat> I'm sorry, number four, it says eyewitness testimony is usually considered stronger than testimony heard from a second or third hand source. And that's why you see in this book of John, John was an eyewitness to all that Jesus said and all that he did, both pre-resurrection and post-resurrection, and wrote it down for us that we might believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And then number five, an early testimony from very close to the event in question is usually considered more reliable than one received years after the event. And all of these scriptures, all of these gospels were written in the lifetime of eyewitnesses to whom they were testifying about the truth of Jesus' resurrection. So much so that if they, the eyewitnesses, were telling the crowd of people in Jerusalem and in Israel something that they knew not to be true, they could have disproven it as false. And all of these things in the case for the resurrection of Jesus are what Jesus gives to us who come to believe even after the testimony of what took place in John 20, but to Thomas, he said, listen, I'm giving you hand on hand, eyewitness testimony. I'm showing you, showing you my wounds in my side. I'm showing you the wounds in my hand, showing you that this isn't just a spiritual, but it's a bodily resurrection. One that I also promised you if you would come and believe. Now, this is important. This is important because of the fact that whenever we have these evidences in God, Whenever we have these evidences in God, we see that Thomas was given what he needed to believe, but we, in the testimony of the disciples who were 
all of them martyrs except the writer of the Gospel of John, the Apostle John, we see that their testimony is helping us to believe because of what they what it actually costs them to testify to these things. And as Gary Habermas continues to say that he says an important difference between the apostle martyrs and those who die for their beliefs today is stark. Modern martyrs act solely out of their trust and beliefs that others have taught them. The apostles, however, died for holding to their own testimony that they had personally seen the risen Jesus. Contemporary martyrs die for what they believe to be true. The disciples of Jesus died for what they knew to be either true or false. And the reason that they were able to hold and were willing to hold to this testimony is because they knew, though it cost me my life, I know it's true. And though I die in Christ, yet will I live in him even as I hold to the testimony of this truth. And so we see that they were clinging to, giving the, give, being given the help that they needed to believe. We see that they were holding to a hope that there would be life after death, that Jesus met them behind closed doors. He helped them to believe, and then he promised them that in him, as the Son of God, there was life after death. Now, this is important because Jesus actually, when he comes to deal with what's going on behind closed doors, what that might mean for you is you might have the doubts that Thomas had. And if that's you, I encourage you to go to our resource page on our website, secondcitychurch.com. And there you can find a plethora of resources that will help you to answer questions in helping you to believe. Resources like the case for Christ the case for faith, the case for a creator, the case for the real Jesus, that speak about the historicity of Jesus, that speak about the philosophical backing of a God and the relationship that he's provided for us in the scripture, the case for a creator speaking about the scientific disciplines and how they all point to an intelligent designer who's expressed himself in the case for a real Jesus and an anthropological unique identity in Jesus of Nazareth. We see that uh, in the reason for God, it uproots a lot of the objections that people have historically had to the way that Jesus and Christianity have been misrepresented. We see in the God forsaken, uh, really dealing with the issues of suffering in the world. And if there's a God who's good and loving and has this good news for us, why is there so much suffering in the world? You see, there's evidence and there are reasons to believe in all of these things for us. But even more than that, we tell you that God himself comes to deal with even the bondage that we have as a result of our discouragements behind closed doors. And maybe you say to yourself, you know what? I, like Thomas, should have been someone who knew better. I had so much given to me, but I found myself when nobody else is looking, when nobody else is around, that I'm stuck in the sin of which I'm ashamed. And in that place, God is able to meet you too. And if you, over the past year, have found yourself trapped in secret sins, if you found yourself trapped in not just disbelief, but sin habits, impurities, immoralities, relationships that shouldn't be there. 
and God says, I'm coming to meet you behind closed doors and want to pull you out of it, that's part of the promise that he gives you of resurrection life. How do we know this? Well, because Jesus, whenever he summarized his ministry prior to going to the cross, he went around preaching the good news saying, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. Now repent of your sin and believe the good news. Now, most people understand repentance. I need to turn away from my sin. They understand the good news that Jesus went to the cross for their sin, but they don't understand that they need to also believe the good news that there is life after death. Life not after just a physical death, but right here and right now. There's life after the death in which I've been living up to this point that I can believe the good news that Jesus came to set me free from my sin, that I can live a life free of the sin that's held me bound in slavery up to this point and can live in the freedom that God's called me to. When Jesus said, repent and believe the good news, this is the life after death he's calling us to. Not just a physical resurrection from the dead, but also a soulish, mind, emotional resurrection life where he says what was once dead because of the violations that you either incurred or that were you either uh, or, or that you perpetuated in your life. He says through repentance and faith, I've come to deliver you from that and set you free from that. And on Resurrection Sunday, call you into new life. Whether you've been a Christian who's been behind closed doors and disappointed, or you've been somebody on the outside who's never believed because you needed the reason to believe. But you hear the testimony, like Thomas did, of people over and over again saying, Jesus will help you if you just choose him. He'll allow you to put your hands in his hand, uh, your fingers in his hands. He'll allow you to put his, your hands in his side. And by finding the answers to your questions, he will help you to believe so that you might have life after the death that you've experienced. And do know this, this is what he's called every man and woman to this Easter Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday. And so if you've not experienced him yet, Today is your day to come in faith, like Thomas, to Jesus Christ. If you've been a believer who's been discouraged because life hasn't gone as you've expected it to, don't worry. This is your moment of encouragement that Jesus is going to provide you life and hope after death as well. And so let's go to God in prayer wherever you find ourselves, wherever you find yourself today, and come into the power of resurrection life in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Let me pray first for those who are actually saying, you know what, on this Resurrection Sunday, I know that I've never come into relationship with God. And I've been like Thomas saying to myself, unless I see what's going on with his hands, unless I see what's going on in his side, I'll never believe. But I, I, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to receive what Jesus said today. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I want to be one of those blessed people, and I'm willing to take the to take the steps to actually coming into the life after death that Jesus, the good news that he's provided for me. And if that's you today, and you want to make your peace with God, would you pray this prayer with me? 
Almighty God, I admit to you today that I've been a sinner. And like Thomas, I've been full of doubts and really even standing in my doubts saying I'm adamant about not believing unless I see or get the answer to my questions. But today I'm choosing to humble myself and believe your word, that you can meet me behind my locked doors, that you can help me to believe, and that you can help me believe even when I've not seen physically the Lord risen from the dead. I know that I'm gonna stand before you one day and I ask you to forgive me my sins. I believe, Jesus, that you went to the cross to pay for those sins and you were resurrected from the dead to give me forgiveness of them. Please make me a new creation today and show me how to love and serve you as Lord from this day forward in your mighty name, amen. Now, the good news is, if you prayed that prayer, God said he's made you a new creation. So would you go with me to our website, secondcitychurch.com slash newlife? There you can find not only resources, but next steps of how to take these next steps and get questions answered, even as you learn to trust in God and this new life in him. And for the rest of us, I want to pray for those who might have found yourself behind closed doors, but need Jesus to once again breathe on you by the power of the Holy Spirit to breathe fresh life and you fill you with the hope of God and life after the death that we've been surrounded by in this past year. And so let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters today. And I pray that just as you met the disciples behind their closed doors, that you would meet my brothers and sisters in this moment and that you would help them to actually receive the, not only the peace that you have for them, but a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit right now. God, may you break out in the power of God upon my brothers and sisters. May you fill them to overflowing that there might be as you send them into the world, as the Father sent you, as you send them into the world, they might go with power, they might go with conviction, they might go with confidence, they might go with signs and wonders following them as they testify to your resurrection life in Jesus' name. God, I bless them and I ask you to fill them with the joy of Resurrection Sunday in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if anybody needs anyone to pray with you in this moment, please do tap on the link below as we go back into worship now and celebrate our resurrected King. God bless. Today is a special day on the church calendar and today is Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday. So we're celebrating the risen King, Jesus Christ today. But we also wanna remember the great sacrifice, which lets us remember his great love for you and I and all of those who are enemies of God, but He came to save if they would just turn to Him. So today we're going to remember that through the taking of communion. So take just a moment, go grab your, uh, your bread, go grab your wine or your juice, and come right back here. And we're going to take this together. So what we want to do is we want to read the scripture of where Jesus was telling them what is about to happen and why it's going to happen. So let's go to the Word together. We're going to Luke 22 this morning. And Jesus says in Luke 22, starting in verse 14, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. 
do this in remembrance of to me. So if you have the bread, you can go ahead, you can take it, remembering that this is the body of Jesus broken for you and I so that we wouldn't have to. And then the Lord Jesus said, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And so Jesus, because of his great love for you and I, he freely laid down his life, paid the price for our sin and the sins of the world, if we would just trust and believe and surrender to him. So today, as you take of the juice, remember, this is God's love, Jesus' shed blood for the forgiveness of your sins that washes away guilt, shame, condemnation, and gives you and I a new start. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your shed blood. And now, today, because of his great love for us, his great sacrifice, and his resurrecting to power to remind us that we too we can live this new resurrection life. Let's go out singing and praising our good God. Now we're gonna to continue to discuss these things in our community groups throughout the week. So if you've not found one yet, please do go to our links where you can find both in-person and virtual options. We'll also be praying for you. So if there's any way that we can stand with you, please do let us know. Share this link this week with those who also need to hear the good news of the resurrection of Jesus and also bring others with you next week to our virtual service who will also be able to encounter the good news and grace of God. We love you. We hope you have a wonderful week in the Lord. And until then, God bless you. See you soon.